Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Redlands campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. great to be with you all here at uh, Gateway Redlands this morning. And I thought uh, to help you get uh, to know me a little bit better, I would tell you something really embarrassing about myself. And uh, that embarrassing thing is that I suffer from something called cynophobia. Now, not sin, S-I-N, but sin, C-Y-N. And cynophobia is a fear or a phobia of dogs. Embarrassing, right? Um, This is something that I've struggled with my whole life. Uh, My parents can't kind of date it back to any particular uh, horrifying experience. It's just something that I always remember struggling with. If we went over to a friend's house and they had a dog, rather than playing with all the rest of the kids in the backyard, I'd be kind of stuck next to my mum at the adult's table, kind of shivering in fear because there was a dog roaming outside. As I uh, got older, I had to kind of make sure I texted my friends and said, hey, do you mind leaving the dog in the laundry or outside because I'm coming over. It has seriously limited uh, what I have been able to do in the way of interacting with others. And it is really embarrassing, especially if you know, you're walking by the water or you're at the beach and there's dogs everywhere. This fear or this phobia has limited uh, what I have been able to do. And my family were well aware of this phobia. Like I said, I used to be sitting by my mum's side if I was ever anywhere uh, where there was a dog. But uh, my phobia came to a head one day when I got home from church. I was 18 years old. I'd just been serving in our kids' own ministry. I remember this moment clear as day. I, got, I was uh, living with my parents. I got home and I walked down their hallway and they had a really long hallway and my bedroom was right at the back and I was walking down the hallway and then all of a sudden out of, out of the corner of my eye, I got a glimpse of something. And I kind of kept walking and then kind of... Th- thought, I don't think I'm dreaming. And I took a few steps back and out of the corner of my eye, I saw a dog. Now, we'd never had a dog at our family home before. And I was a little bit confused as to what had happened. And so in the time that uh, followed that, I had a conversation with my sister and she said, I'd love to introduce you to my new puppy called Blake. Now, let me show you a photo of Blake. You all think cute, right? I think I'm my, like my life is in danger. And, uh, and I was a little bit confused in this moment. Like my family know that I have a fear of dogs. We'd always had conversations about the fact that my sister could get a dog when she was grown up and moved out. Like we weren't gonna have one in the family home. But what I wasn't aware of was that there were family conversations going on behind my back for about 12 months where my sister who was uh, 14 at the time had I got to the point that she nagged and nagged and nagged and mum and dad finally caved. And they told her she could get a dog. And so she'd been saving uh, pocket money. She had been uh, doing extra jobs to save this money to buy this dog. And all of this time, I had no idea that this was happening. And so, like any uh, person that struggles with a dog phobia and your family buys a dog, I had an adult tantrum that day. Like there was crying, there was screaming, there was yelling. I'm quite embarrassed at my actions and uh, the way that I spoke to my parents. But I was horrified 
that for the last couple of months, they had been planning on buying this puppy. In fact, a couple of weeks earlier, the rest of my family, while I was out with friends, went and met the dog. Like they'd purchased stuff for the dog, hidden it in the house, and my mom just decided that she was at some point going to tell me and the day got closer and she knew that I wouldn't respond well and so she just gave up on that idea altogether and I came home and there was a dog. Uh, Blake has grown up a little bit and we uh, don't get on well. He stays at one side. When I come over for dinner, I stay at the other. And uh, the phobia is still real. But in that moment, on that day, I remember asking the question, do my parents even care? Like I'd grown up in a home where I felt loved and like my parents had provided for my needs. But all of a sudden, I was in a situation where I was feeling afraid and unsafe in my own home. Now, I know it sounds ridiculous, right? Especially if you own a dog. But as someone with a dog phobia, I literally think that I'm going to die. And, uh, and I have been getting counseling for it <laughs> in the past. Uh, but I remember asking the question, do my parents even care? Do they see what I'm going through? Do they care? Do they care more about my sister and her want for a dog than they do for me and my fear of dogs? And uh, I am hoping that today you have not experienced a, uh, a phobia of dogs because it's no fun at all. But I reckon there's probably been times in your life where you have asked the question, does, insert name here, even care? Do they care about what I'm going through? Do they see my situation? Do they even care? And the truth is, I've found myself at times asking that exact same question of God. Because situations and circumstances I find myself in, I found myself asking the question, Jesus, do you even care? Now, not around dog uh, situations, but there have been other times in my life where I've asked that question, and I wonder if it's the same for you. Have you found yourself in a situation or a circumstance where life is tough and you find yourself asking the question, Jesus, do you even care? You know, maybe you're uh, in a really stressful season at work. Things are really tough at work and you're not enjoying the co-workers that you're working with, the emails that you're getting are filling you with dread about the idea of having to be in the office. Things are stressful, but you know you've got to make ends meet when it comes to your paycheck. And so you find yourself asking the question, Jesus, do you even care that I'm in this really difficult situation at work? That I feel dread at the idea of opening the email app on my phone? Or maybe, you know, you've been filled with anxiety because of words that have been spoken or diagnosis that have been spoken over your children. And you're facing situations where you want to protect them, but uh, the things that others are saying are limiting your kids from being able to step into what you see as their potential. You feel limited by the things people are saying and you feel like crying out to God and asking, God, do you even care? Maybe there's relationships in your life that are strained. It could be a relationship with a parent or a child, a sibling or a partner. You know, things are difficult. It feels hard to even uh, bring that person to mind because you feel uncomfortable with the feelings that you sit in. That relationship fills you with dread and you find yourself asking God, God, do you even care about what I'm facing? Or maybe like many others, 2020 and 2021 have just been really tough years. 
you found yourself in a cycle of negative thinking, you are struggling with your mental health, anxiety is overwhelming you, maybe depression has been limiting what you have been able to do. Maybe you've been facing panic attacks and you find yourself asking the question, Jesus, do you even care? You know, these situations that we find ourselves in are the what of life. They're the what, what is happening around us and what is happening to us. But I know that we are not alone in asking the question, do Jesus, do you even care? Because when we look at scripture, we can actually see that the disciples asked Jesus, Jesus' own followers asked him this exact question. And I believe that as we open God's word today, there is something that we can learn from this story and be encouraged by today. We are in the middle of a series called Jesus in the Picture. And over the last two weeks, Sam has unpacked two different stories. Firstly, uh, he looked at the story of the woman caught in adultery. And we learned that Jesus washes us clean when we feel ashamed. Things change when Jesus enters the picture. And last week, he unpacked the story of Nicodemus. And we looked at the fact that uh, God draws us into relationship when we get stuck in religion. When Jesus entered the picture of Nicodemus's story, everything changed. And today, we're going to look at a story from the book of Mark. And it's in Mark uh, chapter 4. And like I said in this story, the disciples asked Jesus the exact same question. Jesus, do you even care? To give you some context to the book of Mark, it's one of the four Gospels, and three out of the four Gospels actually include the story that we're going to look at today. And Mark writes a bit like an action movie writer. It's happened quickly and in minimal amount of sentences, so it's punchy uh, and to the point. And our passage today is in Mark 4, but so much has already happened in chapters 1, 2, and three, Jesus has called his disciples, he's called his followers, and they have seen him do some incredible things. In the early chapters of Mark, we see uh, the disciples get to witness Jesus healing a man who had been paralyzed and a man with leprosy. And they have sat under his teaching as he has gathered the crowds and uh, taught and shared parables of what the kingdom is, of God is like. And our story today, if you've got your Bibles with you or your Bible app, I encourage you to open up to Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. We're going to read it uh, all in one chunk. Like I said, it's punchy and to the point, but then we're going to unpack uh, what is in this passage today. The words are also going to come up on the screen behind me. In Mark chapter 4, verse 35, it says, That day when evening came, he, says to his, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was, in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He says to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. 
Now, talk about action-packed. That was a couple of sentences, yet so much happened uh, in that passage. Jesus has gathered his disciples after a big day of uh, preaching and teaching to the crowds, and he said, let's go over to the other side. Where they were was in the, uh, the Sea of Galilee, and he got the disciples and a couple of others in some other boats to head over to the other side. And then all of a sudden, a furious squall comes upon them. Now, uh, the last time I referred to a storm, I used the word storm, not squall. I actually had to look it up the first time I uh, read that, but a furious squall came. And so I want to help us understand this picture a little bit better. See, the Sea of Galilee was a place that sat between two mountains, and uh, it was known to be a place where storms would come on quite rapidly and quickly. So it wasn't a unlikely that people could be out at sea and then all of a sudden a storm would hit. Remember, they don't have like a bomb radar map like we do to check the weather. These guys were in a boat and all of a sudden a furious storm uh, was upon them. The winds, the waves, it can all happen rather quickly and rapidly in the location that they were in and you don't have much notice that it's coming. And to help us picture this a little bit better, I've got a picture of uh, what the boat likely looked like uh, that they were on. So it was a Galilean fishing boat, uh, likely made of wood, and it's about 8.2 meters long and 2.3 meters wide. This is no Pacific dawn that they're, you know, setting sail on the seas in. This was a small fishing boat. I can imagine that uh, the disciples were probably feeling rather afraid when a large storm comes, and this is what they are in. I can't imagine they had the same safety technology uh, that we have these days, but you can use your imagination to picture this scene. It says the wind was blowing, the waves were crashing on to the boat. And we don't have a live stream uh, video footage of this moment. There's no uh, social media presence of this event, but we can picture in our minds what it might have looked like. And what we do have is a piece of artwork that a guy called Rembrandt uh, Van Rijn uh, painted in 1633, and when I try and picture this story, this uh, piece of art resembles what uh, picture I get to mind. You may have it on the life group material you've received with you today. It might be easier to look at it up close, but you can see the fear in some of these guys' faces. You can see that they're all kind of doing different things to just make sure that the boat doesn't fall apart, and uh, it doesn't show up well um, in this lighting, but there's a guy right at the front just kind of like hurling out the front of the boat. I reckon that was probably quite accurate as well. There was likely one that struggled with a bit of seasickness. But just imagine for a moment how the disciples would have been feeling. Scared, right? Afraid, filled with fear, worry, dread, feeling anxious, petrified, now, this isn't a sun shower, this isn't a summer afternoon storm, this is a furious squall that these guys are experiencing. And in this moment, where is Jesus? It says in verse 38, Jesus was in the stern, he was in the back of the boat, sleeping on a cushion. Like, you kind of get a picture of the storm raging, these guys hurling their guts out or, you know, trying to um, hold the sails of the boat absolutely petrified, and there's Jesus asleep at the back of the boat. Now, they wake him up and they ask him, Jesus, do you care if we drown? And they're asking Jesus if he cares because in that moment, 
he's probably coming across quite indifferent. He's asleep. He's not helping. He's not doing anything. And their perception would be that he is having a lack of effort or engagement in this moment. And it's making them wonder, Jesus, do you even care? Like I said, we've likely all found ourselves in that place before. The situations that we find ourselves in might feel like a storm and we're wondering where Jesus is. Maybe it feels like he's asleep in the back of the boat. Our perception is that he's not engaged in what is happening in our lives. And I've found myself in that place many times before. In fact, uh, last year, um, in March 2020, our lives all changed forever. We um, became, you know, our language uh, increased as we learned terms like coronavirus and physical distancing. And, you know, we had to uh, learn to live with uh, the COVID pandemic. And at the start of that, as we're all, you know, getting sent home from work and church moved online, uh, my husband, Richo, lost his job. And I remember feeling overwhelmed with anxiety at the season we had found ourselves in. I'm someone who thrives on routine and structure and safety and security. And all of a sudden, I didn't have my normal work rhythms. I had to learn to work from home and uh, engage and do church online. And uh, I had to learn how to live with the fact that we had gone down to one income, we had bills to pay, we were hoping uh, to buy a new house and things just seemed overwhelming. I remember being filled with anxiety, not being able to sleep most nights because I was unsure of what was happening. I was filled with fear and I remember crying out to God and asking God, do you even care? Do you see the situation that I'm in? Selfishly, I was like, I know the whole world's got a lot going on, but do you see what's happening in my life, Jesus? Do you see this situation that I'm in? Do you see the stress that we are under? It felt like Jesus was just asleep at the back of the boat. I think we've all had times where we've asked this question and it's Jesus' response to the disciples in this passage that brings me great comfort and I believe is going to encourage us all today. If we have a look at our verses 39 to 41, if we read them again, it says, he got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to the disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. See, I believe that as we wrestle with the question of does Jesus even care in the midst of the what, in the midst of the situations that we are facing, in the middle of the storms we might find ourselves in, in the things that we face that fill us with anxiety and fear, the answer is in these very verses. See, I want us to do a little bit of a word study today. Before I was a pastor, I was a primary school teacher, and uh, I love words, and so we're going to have a look at some of the words in this passage today. If we look at verse 40 for a minute, uh, it says that, He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And if we look at that word afraid, it actually comes from the Greek word in uh, the translations. It comes from the Greek word delos, which is an adjective. An adjective is a describing word. It describes the state of a noun. 
And so Jesus is using this word delos. Um, apologies, my Greek is not great, so I'm probably not pronouncing it right. But he uses this word uh, delos to describe the state of the disciples. And this word delos can be translated to faithless or full of fear and dread. He is describing the state of the disciples in the middle of the storm that they find themselves in. You know, the sea is raging, the wind and waves are going crazy, and the disciples are delos. Adjective, right? Describing word. Describing the state of the disciples. And if we have a closer look at verse 41, just this next verse. So remember, the disciples, delos, they're afraid. They're in the middle of this storm. They've watched Jesus then calm the storm. And it says, they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Like I said before, this story of Jesus coming the storm is found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And uh, in Matthew, you can find the passage in chapter 8, verse 27. It says the men were amazed. So it uses the word amazed. And uh, in Luke's account in chapter 8, verse 25, it says that they were in fear and amazement. So Matthew says amazed, Mark says terrified, and uh, Luke says in fear and amazement. If we have a look at those two words, that terrified and fear and that amazement and amazed, it's the words, the Greek words phobeo and thamazo. And these words are both verbs. Verbs are doing words, action words. So the last one was an adjective describing where this is a verb, a doing word. Jesus is describing the disciples. It says, oh sorry, the authors are describing the disciples. It says they are phobeo and thamazo. Now phobeo means to fear or revere. So it's this state of reverence, being so overwhelmed that you are in reverence of what has happened around you. And the word thamazo means to marvel and wonder. In the space of Jesus calming the storm, the disciples have gone from a state of being faithless and filled with fear, delos, to a verb, an act, a position or a posture of phobeo and thamazo, being in reverence and wonder in awe of, um, of Jesus. You know, the thing that changed was that Jesus calmed the storm. He showed this um, incredible act of who he was. See, when Jesus entered the picture, everything changes. And I think sometimes as Christians, we can hear this story and maybe like me, you grew up in Sunday school and you heard this story a lot and you kind of, you know, you could retell it, right? The disciples were in the boat, a big storm. Jesus calmed the storm, everything was great. But I believe that there is real encouragement for us today that in the storms that we face, when Jesus enters the picture, everything changes. See, this was an incredible act for the disciples to witness, the disciples had already seen Jesus do some really great stuff. Like I said, they'd seen him uh, heal a man with leprosy. They'd seen him heal someone that was paralyzed. In fact, in Mark, it says that uh, Jesus went around doing many healings. They had seen some incredible things, but what they had never seen before was a man or a person control the weather. They knew that uh, as Jewish people, they believed that God was in control of the weather. In fact, in the Old Testament, we can read a story of Elijah praying to God or calling out to God to control the weather, and God did. 
He made it rain and he stopped it rain. And they would have heard these stories passed down from generation to generation. But in this moment, here's Jesus. He changes everything. He, as a person, utters a couple of words and the wind and the waves stop. See, in this moment, the disciples get a clearer picture of Jesus' identity. They saw his power. They were thamazo. They were in awe and wonder. They were phobeo. They were in reverence of what had happened. See, this group of guys went from being in a state of fear, in a state of feeling faithless, in a state of being delos or afraid. Jesus calmed the storm and they got a clearer picture of who was in their picture. See, this was Jesus. This was Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the way, the truth, and the life in their boat. You know, no matter what was going on around them, it was the who in their picture that made a difference. See, uh, as I said last year, my husband Richo lost his job at the start of uh, COVID, and there were sleepless nights. There were days of crying out, asking God, do you even care? Do you see the situation that I'm in? You know, this hasn't been the only time. There have been other circumstances or storms that I've faced where I found myself asking that same question. But the thing that gave me comfort in that time was coming to God's word and being reminded of Jesus' presence and his power in my life. So I didn't cry out in prayer and see the storm disappear. I didn't um, get on my knees and then all of a sudden Richard got a call saying, oh, don't worry, we've got a job for you now. It was a storm that we weathered for a few months of last year. But after a while, I found myself turning from asking the question, God, Jesus, do you even care? Turning from a place of being filled with fear to instead stepping out in faith and having faith that the right uh, job will open and the right time will come. And it took months, but after a few months, Richo got to step into a job that he loves doing, that uses the gifts and the skills that God has given him to be a blessing to people all over our state. You know, it was peace in the middle of the storm that I could find through Jesus' power, knowing that he cares, reminding myself that when he's in the picture, everything changes. I think too often we can find ourselves in the middle of a storm and we focus on the storm. It's when our rhythms and our habits of spending time with Jesus seem to just disappear because we're so focused on what is going on around us that we forget who is in the boat with us. We ask, Jesus, do you even care? We find ourselves where we are overwhelmed with anxiety and stress and fear and dread, where we are faithless, where we are delos. But I believe Jesus' answer to the disciples came through his presence and his power. And I believe the same is true for us today. How do we know Jesus cares? Because his presence is with us. And we can trust 
and his power. And it's because of these things that we know that he cares for us. He wouldn't be present with us. He wouldn't have demonstrated his power if he didn't care. And we can have confidence and trust and faith in these things because God's word states them. In Matthew 28, as Jesus is with his disciples before he ascended into heaven, he promised them this. It says, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. See, when we face times of fear and anxiety, when it feels like the storms of life are raging and we're asking the question, Jesus, do you even care? We can stand firm on the truth that he is present. We can find peace in Jesus' presence and we can find peace in Jesus' power. We can read story after story in God's word of Jesus demonstrating his power. He's done it time and time again. And one of the most incredible stories of this is found a bit later on in Mark in chapters 14 to 16, where we can read about Jesus giving his life for us. We can read the story of his death and resurrection. See, Jesus demonstrated the ultimate act of his love and care and power by dying on a cross for you and for me so that we could live with God in heaven for eternity. Three days after he died on the cross, he rose again. What an act of power. When we are facing storms, we can find peace in Jesus' presence in our lives. and We can find peace in his power. We can turn from a state of fear. We can turn from being delos to being in awe and reverence because of who he is and what he has done in our lives and through the lives of others. You know, it's not about the what. It's not about the storms that we face. It's about who is with us. It's about who is in our picture and who is with us through it all. See, we have the King of Kings. We have the Lord of Lords. We have the Prince of Peace, our healer, protector, redeemer, the Savior of the world in our boat, no matter what we go through, we can find peace because of who is in our boat. We can have peace because of Jesus' presence in our lives and his power. And it's because of these things, it's because of his presence with us and his power demonstrated time and time again that we can know that he does care. In uh, John 16, Jesus is with the disciples and he's teaching them about the work of the Holy Spirit and is sharing with them about grief turning to joy. And chapter 16 finishes with this verse. Verse 33, it says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. You know, Jesus didn't promise that we're never going to face storms. He never promised that there's going to be an easy life as soon as we put our faith in him. No, in fact, he said we will face troubles, but we can have peace because he has overcome the world. He has defeated sin and darkness. We can have peace because of his presence and his power in our lives. 
the next time you find yourself in a state of fear because of the what that you are facing, because of the storm that you are in, because of the situations and circumstances that you find yourself in, encourage you to remember who is in your boat. We can trust the who in the middle of the what because the who is Jesus and we can find peace in his presence and his power. And how do we do that? Because like I said, often we're in a, when we are in a storm, it's our rhythms that can, with God that can be the first things to go. I encourage you, every single day, find the place where you connect with Jesus and go there often. Maybe that means switching off the radio or the news and listening to worship music as you drive to work. Maybe it's ensuring that you start your day in prayer. Get out of your bed and get on your knees before God. Making sure that every day you open God's word and you are reminded of his goodness and his faithfulness in your life. Make Jesus the center and wherever you go to connect with him, go there often. Ensure that it's a habit in the seasons where life is going well because you're gonna need it in the seasons where you feel like you are in a storm. You know, I hope today that you find encouragement knowing that Jesus' presence is with you, that his power is so um, relevant in your life. He's demonstrated his power in this story. He's demonstrated his power on the cross and he wants to keep using his power in your life. You know, maybe you find yourself in the middle of a storm right now. Maybe there's things going on with your family, at work, at home, wherever, and it feels like there's just waves of anxiety and dread and fear crashing on you with what you are walking through. I hope that today you are encouraged to find peace in Jesus' presence and power. You know, personally, anxiety has been something that I've lived with for a really long time. I get social anxiety in different situations. I have more phobias than just a dog, it's just a funny one. Um, but there are times where I'm unsure that I can even get things done because of the anxiety that I feel. And as I've been preparing this, this hasn't just been something that I feel like is on God's heart for me, but is on God's heart for all of us. I think that there's something in this for every single one of us. We all face times where we are overwhelmed with dread and fear. Maybe you're not walking through a daily uh, season of anxiety like I have, but you can identify with the idea of feeling like you are in a storm. I hope that you can find encouragement in God's word that Jesus' power and presence can give you peace. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.